Hey family, welcome to the Realizing Revelation 7-9 podcast, a presbytery of San Fernando production. Realizing Revelation 7-9 means we are awakening to new meaning in Revelation 7-9, and we are working to make Revelation 7-9 a reality. But this week, we went live. We want to create a community around the conversation of diversity. We really want to integrate our ideas and our intentions around diversity. So it doesn't feel like a side project. Pastor Casey and I went live on Facebook and on our YouTube to talk about how the podcast has impacted us so far. And we ended up getting into all kinds of topics like an integrated diversity. We got into topics of being big girls and boys when it comes to facing the tension. We talked about who's really even leading the conversation. And we even talked about menstruation. We are excited about working to accomplish our goal of becoming a more Christ-like and diverse presbytery together with you in 2023. So let us know if you join us for a live conversation around diversity, cultural intelligence in the new year by commenting on the video on our presbytery Facebook page. We can't wait to see you and get after it next year. Without further ado, here's our conversation. Hey, everybody, this is KC with the Presbytery of San Fernando, um, minister, member, evangelist. I currently serve at the uh, Burbank Presbyterian Church, where um, I am the missional outreach guy, and I have Mark Fields with me, recently ordained ruling elder. Yeah. Come on. Come on. You're an R.E. You're a ruling elder for our new church plant, Cultivate. Cultivate. Um, And it was exciting, Mark, to see and witness and be part of the recent launching of Cultivate. And how awesome it is to have you and all of our new elders join us in the Presbytery to be part of our mission. And uh, thanks to brothers and sisters like Nick Warnes and others, uh, Juan Sarmiento, um, so many people, Rich Poole, Dave Wilkinson, I'm probably missing a um, hundred names, but all of these brothers and sisters who've been part of um, uh, Dia, uh, you name it, mm-hmm. everyone who's been part of this mission and getting Cultivate going. And also friends who might listen later, you might listen to the podcast later on Spotify and iTunes, um, or you might watch this on Facebook Live, or maybe later on when you're doing nothing, you might see this and watch it. Uh, Mark is also the lead uh, pastor, coordinator, director, person who walks on water for Kinship Collective, um, his new worshiping community. Mm-hmm. I hope I said that right. You have multiple titles, yeah, <laughs> probably, I right? Think I lean it more into host. I, I think of myself as a, I think that I'm a pastoral presence, uh, but I think of myself as a host because I really want some of the mission of Kinship Collective is to really get back to the priesthood of all believers. And so while I'm cultivating and trying to hold space for many people, I'm trying to uh, really remind people that the same spirit that rose Christ from the dead is not just in the people who are on the stage, the sages on the stages, but that all of us have that same kind of power within ourselves and the same ability to interpret scripture, the same meaningful perspective. And so 
that's that's kind of how I think of myself like that. I, I feel when you say walks on water, <laughs> it's so funny. I feel like Jesus, yeah, it's just so funny. I'm like, only Jesus can walk on water. But now I'm I'm equating myself to Jesus the way that I feel <laughs> when Jesus is like, no one is good but God the Father. So uh, no Amen. one walked on water but Jesus. And Amen. And I'm I'm really grateful for that experience of following Him though, and and the beauty that comes from that. That's awesome, Mark. The um, if you tune into this and you watch this, or if you watch this later, one of the things that uh, we wanted to do, some of you, because we can see that you're listening to the Realizing Revelation Seven Nine podcast, and Mark Fields, our friend here, ruling elder, pastor, teacher, friend, husband, father, Christ follower. Mm-hmm. Um, this brother, this friend has uh, led that conversation, and at least uh, six of us have been part of interviews with Mark, and each podcast interview, if you have listened to them, a variety of voices, a variety of people, young and old. Uh, mm-hmm. Mark, you've done such an amazing job in uh, coordinating, in uh, being with each of us in the present with those interviews. And I know, at least um, in the context of the Presbytery and people who've talked to me, they have been very blessed by these interviews. And um, really, I have one particular person that you know of who's literally asked me, uh, when are we going to have more interviews with Mark uh, Mm -hmm. for the Realizing Revelation podcast? So again, we thank you on behalf of the Presbytery uh, for Mm -hmm. being a voice and a leadership voice Mm -hmm. uh, with that and talking about things and issues and all of the different, again, it's been a good uh, moment, a good variety of voices, um, interesting interviews, and you are mm-hmm. very much a pro at this. Here, I'm just pretending I know how to do this. Uh, <laughs> you're like the professor of podcasting. And, oh, no. um, yeah. <laughs> oh, oh, my gosh. If people, if you listen to this later, please visit his Kinship Collective podcasts and mm. uh, the work that Mark does in helping with uh, just creating conversations and tables around issues of diversity. Mark, probably the big question that I'd want to ask you, um, how have you um, been in all of this? What what are some things that you, some takeaways, um, what are some things that you've learned? Uh, what has excited you? What has surprised you? And maybe where have you seen Yahweh work in the middle of these conversations of over the last six episodes? Yeah. Well, first, I, I, I'm really grateful for all those kind words. And, and when you said that, to be honest, I, I'm going to get to your question. I want to make sure I answer that. That's okay. <laughs> and, but something that came up for me while you were sharing, you know, about having a, a podcast like this, what does it do? And it reminds me of a book that I'm reading right now. And it's talking about, um, male or masculine spirituality and there's these different kind of pieces in there but one of the writers talks about um i want to say depth psychology and carl Jung and the work that carl did early on but he talked about the importance of image and how sometimes images like he would do like the ink blot images and what does this thing do for someone who's watching it so it might let us into some of their interior world and they might see something they might not be able to unsee something but they're going to reveal some things that are happening and so for me i think the podcast uh, realizing revelation 7 9 podcast and listening to the stories of our sisters and brothers there 
it helps us to get an image for these ideas that we talk about sometimes when the buttons are hot. And right now we're in Christmas season, it's Advent. And honestly, I haven't heard much about, you know, diversity. It's not a hot button right now. Uh, we're not yeah. watching someone suffocate or be lynched for nine minutes. We're not watching, at least here, you know, I think um, I'm thinking about what's happening in Iran, in Iran, what's happening over the pond, so to speak, and the ways that we're seeing injustice. And, and some of that has to do more with gender. Some of that has to do with different um, different frames of, of different understandings of God that are creating some of that over there. But for me, I'm thinking about, man, each of these conversations gives us image for something new, an image for what will the kingdom actually look like. So when we get to talk about Revelation 7-9, and each different guest has emphasized something different from that passage and the ways that it speaks to them on the heel end of our conversation together, and it's been really meaningful. When you ask me on the spot about what I've learned, I think one of the most important things that I've learned is, is it came from Dr. Tamisha, our episode, and she talked about uh, hospitality being dynamic. And I mm, think that, I that it's not about, there's no new silver bullet. And I think we're all looking for a silver bullet. For me, at least I know I am. The system, what's the best system I can have to manage my time at home, to love my children, to be a great partner to my wife? And there are systems, there are rhythms we can get into, but there's also the need for it to be dynamic. And so I can create a great system, but one day, one of my daughters might need more attention. She had a bad day at school, or she's just not feeling well, or my wife had a really draining conversation at work. And now, you know, I need to be able to flex and be present. And so that the idea that hospitality is dynamic, just this reminder that the movement of Jesus was dynamic, that it wasn't always the same. Healing didn't always look the same. He wasn't always in the same place doing the same thing. For me, when it, when we come, when it comes to issues of race, that we would remember that nobody is, is, uh, we just can't anticipate every single person's, um, reaction to something that every right. person has a very unique story. And, those different elements of their story, the different elements of their encounters with God, their faith are moved by that, their experience through the lens of their story and their life. And so I, I really, really appreciated that moment to be reminded that hospitality is dynamic and there is no silver bullet for any church or any community or any person. And Man. so that, that was, that's something that comes up for me. That I no, that's great. I mean, I think if anything, what do we do this? What have you learned in each of these conversations thus far? Mm -hmm. Let me pull up these conversations so I can. Uh, I got a cheat sheet, which is really cool. My little okay. my notes from the convos. Cheat sheets are good. They're great. Yeah, we talked about Tamisha, Dr. Tamisha Tyler. We got Dr. Sar. Sarmiento here. Sarmiento. Yeah. I think I think one of the, the emphasis that I that I thought about in um Juan's conversation, he talked about the diversity of worship. 
and what that could look like back to revelation 7 9 that the beauty of many different tongues many different kinds of voices communicating their awe and wonder of who god is and some of that i think that that spoke to me from from juan's conversation mm -hmm. uh, i know another conversation that really really stood out to me was my conversation with dia and she really shared her kind of unique personal journey of kind of growing up in in a place that in in texas where there was much more diversity around her and then going to new york and experiencing different kinds of diversity that she wasn't uh, uh and discrimination that she wasn't prepared for which was a really powerful moment if you haven't listened to that one yet she talks about being propositioned by some white male men while she's out with some friends. And she had, she didn't really have space for that. And I don't think any of us, I, I know I have never experienced being out with my friends and someone walking up to me and propositioning me to uh, be intimate with them. And she talks about that journey and what she learned from some of that, what she felt in some of that. Um, but I think that I think even her aura and her presence, she reminds me of grace and what does it mean to have grace for others and to be uh, filled with grace or to be operating kind of through grace. So I really appreciated that in that conversation. <coughs> My conversation with Rich Poole was fun. It was really cool to get to know his story and to know where he came from and to be candid. That was a, fun, that was a fun conversation. Yeah. And to be candid, I, I, I appreciate um, getting to know him a little bit better where he comes from because he works so, so hard. He's pastoring two churches right now. And yeah. to hear his journey, where he's come from, knowing how much he loves his, his wife and his children and, and how much he sacrifices to be present in their lives and uh, was, was really helpful. And then we had like a really, we had some hard conversations or it, they weren't hard, it was just awkward, some moments around, um, where there's there's internal we're, we're always all growing and that's why you know when you talked about me walking on water it's like no nah, i'm not walking on water i remember and and to be vulnerable the other day my wife is filipino and one of my best friend's wife is hawaiian and we were having this conversation and they they bought a new angel for the top of their christmas tree and he said doesn't it look like like a geisha doll kind of and i was like well you know it looks kind of oriental and they were like, yo, like, we don't say Oriental anymore. That's not a great word. And I didn't right. know. And, you know, I was like, well, it kind of reminds me of Mulan. It reminds me of Disney movies and stuff like that. But I had that moment where I was confronted with just like some some old thinking that I didn't think was maybe old thinking. And but it was harmful. And my wife checked me on it. And right. And so, you know, we're we're all growing. And I think we had a moment of like, we're all growing where Rich used some language that uh, could be hurtful and we just talked about it and then we moved through it and so that was a a good conversation there and i'm um, getting back into my notes here and my conversation with <clears throat> christina was it was cool to see even for her to for, for her to be able to talk about what it was like being a white woman growing up in houston growing up in affluent kind of spaces 
and being confronted with these realities in 2020 with George Floyd and just the ways that she's reacted, not reacted. For me, when I use the, the term reacting, there's not much intention behind that. Right. But how she, you responding, responding to me is different. There's more intention to a response than a reaction. Reaction is kind of like gut level. And I think we react from, from the places we know. And that just comes kind of like regular, normal, whatever. But she responded to these, the moment of George Floyd, the injustice of that by educating herself, pushing into spaces, uh, growing and advocating and trying to be someone who's creating a much more gospel centered, diverse world. And so all those conversations have been really beautiful to me and I've learned and grown. It's been like a privilege for me. I'm curious for you, Casey. uh, (laughs) And now my final conversation, I remember recording with you. And I think for me, what comes up is like the journey to know that, like, I was going to make a joke about your age, Casey, to know that. Okay. Okay. Here it comes. Here it's it comes. It's going to be so funny. Uh, uh, to know that someone in their 80s could like wake up to <laughs> parts of their identity. <laughs> wow. Whoa. Oh, see, you thought it was going to be funny. You told me to go for it. Um, but just that reminder that, you know, especially with like Ancestry.com and all these things out there, yeah. there's so much that we're all, we're all still awakening to. We're all still learning and growing. And, you know, I have friends that are very white. And, you know, you do ancestry and you realize, oh, man, I'm like a percentage Native American. I'm a percentage of indigenous. I'm a percentage Mexican. I'm a percentage Latino. Or you just, I mean, there's, it's so beautiful that you can get in touch with that. And so to hear your story of like waking up to that and then realizing like, what do I do with that, with my voice and my presence in the presbytery and to hear how you've journeyed that. So I think those are some of the things I take away from those conversations. I'm curious for you having been just an instrumental part of producing and making sure that those get out to people, how has that process formed you, but also how have the conversations formed you? Is there one that maybe stood out to you uh, other than your own maybe? (laughs) No, I, no, I appreciate that market. I mean, again, it's, I think it's fun for you to go well, fun. I don't know if the word fun is the right word, but it's good to hear because we've had six episodes and we can tell that people are listening to the episodes. And uh, by the way, in a few minutes, uh, Mark will share. We, we'll give you an update about two more episodes coming out in the new year, um, if all goes well, um, from some other voices, some of our Lat- uh, Latino brothers and sisters that we want to have come to the mic. Uh, but I, for me, first, I know it was a, I mean, it was an uncomfortable experience, if I were to be completely honest, that, you know, um, to be transparent and talking about things about diversity and, um, you know, especially in the context of the church. Mm-hmm. Um, and as I shared some of my own story about learning about my own background, if you will, uh, to uh, talk about that in a different context, you know, again, I mean, that's, you know, to realize that for so many years, I thought I was Mexican American and to realize um, I'm actually um, 24% Filipino, according to Ancestry.com. That's another part of my narrative that, I, again, I think after our conversation made me think of, you know, what's that mean to be, you know, to maybe look into my history, look into uh, Filipino culture, which I, I'm not aware of. I um, Someone just told me yesterday, uh, you've never tried this one particular Filipino restaurant 
in Glendale that they said you have to go to there, go there to truly understand kind of what it means to partake of Filipino cuisine, if you will. <laughs> but mm -hmm. um, to be someone who's helped in the Presbytery, I think uh, pastors like Juan Sarmiento, Mike Harbert, others, a variety of our church leaders and elders who've said, hey, we don't know what we're doing, but we want to sit at this table. Uh, we want uh, we want to learn. We want to listen. We want to recognize maybe where we've fallen short when it comes to talking about diversity and race. And as you said, in the busyness of the Christmas season and Advent, all of our churches, I was, I think I told my wife that I don't think um, I've ever seen so many um, Christmas movies and shows and TVs on TV right now that mm. the focus is Elf and the focus is the latest Christmas special. And I think in October, the lines were super long already for Christmas. And mm. um, we're not talking about the hard stuff. And if we were really doing the work of, we'll use this word as pastors, exegesis of what, how Christ entered the world at Christmas, if you will, um, we don't talk about the hard stuff. And I think if anything, the podcast, what you've done in creating this table it's a variety of voices. Uh, some, I think Rich Poole, our pastor, Rich, our friend and colleague, mm -hmm. um, he raised some really interesting comments and questions and uh, things for us to uh, dissect. And you did such a good job at guiding that conversation. And I think of anything, I had another chance to talk with Pastor Christina, uh, Reverend, in case you listen to this later, mm -hmm. Pastor Christina Granada Hills. Um, again, another perspective to lead one, one person made a comment that the authenticity of listening to someone's voice on a podcast, that you mm -hmm. could hear some of those, you could hear the awkwardness, the, mm -hmm. how someone, when you asked somebody a question about something pertaining to how they felt about racism or whatever it might be that you could hear in the tension in their voice. You could hear mm -hmm. that mm -hmm. they've never been asked that before. So I think of anything for our presbyteries, a region of churches and leaders to be able to, you know, create spaces for that, that um, we should be able to have hard talks. We should be yeah. able to, and if anything, the issues around race and diversity, there's still a plethora of issues that we've not talked about as a presbytery that mm -hmm. I know Juan, Juan cares about very much. Our, our leadership cares about very much. Mm -hmm. and, it, and if anything, how do you unveil that? those those themes and those topics and hmm. make sure that the light of Christ is present and in the midst of the hard conversations. I don't know if that answered your question, but yeah. I, I think I've been, it's been, it's been good. And, and being the one that's on the end of, I think we left producer or uploading each of uh -huh. these episodes to mm -hmm. go back, you know, it's, it's good to hear a variety of leaders to have Dia now, who's a ruling elder with cultivate. That's right. Um, to share, you know, this is a this is a big thing for our presbytery in the sense of our last presbytery meeting. You know, for me to be able to stand up and say that we have 19 new leaders joining committees, at least five of those leaders joining committees in our presbytery are under the age of 50. We have multi-ethnic leaders. We have mm -hmm. that's a big mm -hmm. thing yeah. that a lot of by God's grace. Um, a lot of presbyteries, a lot of denominational churches would love to be able to say, uh, we have new leaders sitting at the table, evangelism and church growth and um, different 
you know, committee on preparation for ministry and all mm-hmm. the different committees we have. But to be able to say that because for so long we've heard that uh, there's no one who wants to come and serve. Now we have people under 50 who are multi-ethnic and who mm-hmm. actually want to be part of our churches. So, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you know, when I hear you say that, Casey, a couple of things stand out to me. I think back to what happens in the Christmas season. Mm. Uh, I'm choosing whether or not to be fully transparent or to like try and uh, sugarcoat it. I'm going to be, I choose to be um, fully transparent. I think that what happens in the Christmas season in a majority of spaces is like we really kind of re-up on little white baby Jesus and, and, and we have an imagination, like in my mind, I'm imagining a, a nine month pregnant woman on the back of a donkey. Scripture never says this happened, but I'm just imagining the amount of like pain. Like I remember, my wife doesn't even want to be riding in the car a nine months pregnant, like, you know, let alone on a donkey, like, oh my gosh, because you have to go fill out the like legal forms to like keep your residence. It's just like nuts. So but all that to say, like, I think Christmas is, I'm not going to say it's whitewashed or, but it's really economic. You know, we talk about Santa oh, yeah. Claus and there's right. beauty. There's beauty to me right. in this, in the, in the essence of benevolent love and generosity that we see in Santa Claus. I wish I had my, my wife bought a mug this year. It has black Santa. I just have my little like, oh, of course <laughs> you're like a Christian leader guy. My, my Steph Curry mug. But I think. Christmas becomes that. And so, but the idea of that for me is that diversity isn't a side topic. It's really like inherent unity. And what does it mean? Like, it wasn't a side project of Jesus. Jesus wasn't like, okay, well, now I need to do my diversity project and I'll walk through Samaria. It was just a part of what he did, constantly integrating the marginalized, constantly imbuing and reminding people of their dignity, whether you are quote unquote, a demoniac. You've been named that by the community. You're an outsider. You're a Samaritan. You're a woman. You are all these things that marginalize people. They weren't side projects of the gospel. They were integrated into what God was doing. And so I think that one of the challenges around Christmas time for us, uh, I see, I almost, I don't almost don't want to include myself in that because it's not how I think I'm going to say for the church in the West, in the United States, is that it's it's really disintegrated. We haven't integrated justice and diversity into our gospel. And so it becomes a side project that like, oh, go listen to that podcast. Oh, go join that cohort. Oh, go do that thing. It's really not evident. You know, yesterday I was at a meeting of pastors in my city. And it, every time in this meeting, there's a, there's a moment um, People, city government leaders share, you know, we got a new uh, police chief. They, we talked about that. Our health department shares about COVID cases and um, the, 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 the virus going on with kids. And there's just all these updated education department shares, but there's always a pastor's pulse. And the pastor walked up and spoke. It was a black pastor. He shared from a black activist, this book that was written by a black poet and activist in the 60s some of these meditations and it wasn't you know it's not forced it's not contrived it's just a part of who it is and i think what happens in christmas we're just it isn't a part of who we are to think that way yet right and honestly like again there is no silver bullet and hospitality is dynamic and it's always going to look different 
But I think that's a part of like our invitation is how do we integrate our Christmas? I, I was going to say rituals, but I'm thinking about like, it's almost like practices, our spiritual practices or these rhythms. Um, what do we call that? Like a spiritual cadence of a service. We call that our uh, like an order, like a yeah, like yeah, a, yeah. Name that word. Your um, poly, that's not polity because that's about um, the government, but it's about the way that you design a quote unquote worship, quote unquote gathering. Well, like a it, liturgical. Yes, the liturgy like, of Christmas. Yeah, the liturgy, yeah. The liturgy of our Christmas space, Advent, even it yeah. really like we we think we do think deeply and thoughtfully about. What does it mean to have been waiting? What does it mean that we're all waiting for a savior in all these places in our lives that are, are still in process, still healing? But man, what if our Christmas liturgy was more integrated? What if we were able to think differently? And in my mind, so now I go to like how to. So who's at the table when we're designing the Christmas liturgy of the season, whether it's in September or the summer or when you're looking ahead into the fall and Christmas season, all right. that stuff. Who's around the table? Who's imagining what it is? What values are bubbling up? We just want to like get the most people in the space. We want it to be the most healing. We want it. And those are beautiful, beautiful things, uh, depending on the motives and, and all that. But I think right. we just haven't integrated it. So that's one point that came to me while you were sharing about like Christmas. Sure. And I and I felt that like coming into even our conversation, I'm like, man, this is Christmas time. Like, this is not, this is not on like on our priority list. Like we we got Christmas gifts to buy. We're trying to figure. I'm trying to figure out how to get my wife stuff without it showing up on our bank statement. <laughs> it's just like you. We, we got a lot of stuff going on, and that's like a super. You know, I mean, a lot of people that you know the kinship collective serves. They 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 don't have the liberty and luxury of doing that, and I get that. So, you know, there's I hold that intention. The reality of like what I'm thinking about for Christmas versus like my sisters and brothers who are houseless. They're like they're missing family because they've been kind of right. ostracized and marginalized and they won't be around the table and they won't eat like, you know, festive meals for the season. They will just right. remember that they've made mistakes or somebody has made mistakes that have really ostracized them or um, deformed them spiritually or mentally or emotionally. And that there are relationships that are deformed that need healing. So all that to say, I, I thought about that, that the need for integration, like diversity isn't a side project. It's a part of the gospel. What does it mean to come together? What does it mean to be whole? Like Jesus was whole. And there are people who deny Jesus. And Jesus, I imagine Jesus just smiling and being whole. And I say that for the leaders who are listening. You know, you can do every effort to try and be hospitable to a group of people. And they may still not feel comfortable around you. And you got to be whole with that. You got to experience shalom. Right. And you can't be, um, you know, experience that kind of schism in yourself because you weren't able to do what you wanted. So that, that came up for me. And then the second part is when you talked about like the, the difficult conversations. I think when we talk about race, a lot of people, what comes up a lot of time is that like it's uncomfortable and it's hard or I'm out of place. And I don't know where the expectation that things would be easy and really comfortable came from. I mean, and <laughs> maybe it's just because we're all like, you know, we live in like a really wealthy country and. And, and we do everything we can to insulate ourselves from spaces that feel uncomfortable and unsafe and all that. Yeah. But we're big girls and boys, period. Like we really are. And we can do difficult things. 
and should. <laughs> and like, I, I think that that's kind of like the bottom line on that. Like when we talk about race a lot, like what I hear a lot of times is like, yeah, that's an awkward conversation or that's a really difficult. And it's like, maybe so, but you can do awkward and difficult things like period. And if we're right. going to integrate and really experience the wholeness and the beauty of the diversity that we want, then we got to be willing to like make a mistake, but we got to try. And it's like, we just can't let this, um, desire to stay safe or not feel uncomfortable keep us from doing the thing that god is inviting us to do preach it yeah so those things come up for me when i think about what you said about the christmas season and and the difficult like the tension that we hear in people's voices like let's get familiar with that like where is your voice tense to me that's the place where we come beyond ourselves that's the that's god's country so to speak that's where when you feel tension, when you feel inadequate to meet that moment, that's where mm-hmm. God is. That's where in your weakness, God is made strong. Those are the spaces that that's God's country. So, Come on. but we do everything we can to avoid that space where we feel limited. That's beyond ourselves, which means like in my mind, to me, that translates to like less encounters of God's provision, less like God moments of God showing up in some way. That's like, I could have never contrived that. Yeah. In 2008, I went to, um, I went on a trip with a bunch of pastors to Israel and we went from the sea of Galilee all the way into, um, Jerusalem. We walked around the old city, the new city, and, um, we were on a tour bus, um, all pastors. And we had an Israeli tour guide and here's this American, a bunch of American pastors, I had never been to the Holy Lands and um, the tour bus comes up to where Bethlehem was and it's a gate and there are military guards along the wall. And the tour guide is explaining to us that, well, this is, I'm going to get off the bus and all of you are going to get off the bus and you're going to walk across the border into Bethlehem and you're going to get on a new bus. And it's going to be a, a Palestinian tour guide. And mm-hmm. he's going to guide you through uh, the city of the town of Bethlehem. And you're going to you're going to learn all about its history. And when you're done, you're going to get off the tour bus. You're going to cross back the border, cross the border again, back into uh, Jerusalem and get back on the tour bus. And, you know, for so many years, we sing old oh, little town of Bethlehem and we have all these, Things that 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 you know we our our rhythm, if you will, and it really changed when the Palestinian leader said, um, "Go back and tell your people that Palestinian Christians aren't bad people. Go back and tell your people that um, we we're not people who do the things that the media is saying that we do." Mm-hmm. It just changed to see somebody with you know an AK forty seven at the border. In military in a military uniform because in the, the Israeli and again I know this is public I, I don't think I'm saying anything horrible but um when the Israeli tour guide said with and this is a whole nother set of topics but again mm-hmm. we, we have a hard time talking about them especially at this season when the Israeli guard the um, tour guide said without the wall people were dying when the wall is up people weren't dying. 
And mm-hmm. I, we don't hear that in American media. Yeah. We don't, we don't hear those, this, this, this thing. And so every time you hear the hymn, Oh, little town of Bethlehem, all I see in my head now is a wall with military guards, you know, to think that, and again, I can't even imagine what the savior went through, you know, the, the, the different things that we avoid talking about. And I got to confess as an American pastor, I, I don't, you know, there are things I am just simply naive about. And I confess that and admit that. Um, and there are hard topics that I think pastors know they should be talking about. And if at the end of the day, I'll be the first one to throw myself on the table. So I'm afraid we're afraid. We, we, we don't, we're not confident. We're, we're worried. We're not going to, we're going to say the wrong thing. Um, mm-hmm. Every interview that if you guys listen to this later, every interview that you'll hear, you could hear that awkwardness and, and mm-hmm. how do you do that? And again, mm-hmm. Mark, I think you, this is where I think the, the Presbytery appreciates you and your voice. You've been very gentle. You've been very gracious in walking alongside us, not judging us, not being mm-hmm. critical mm-hmm. of, of, and if anything, or pushing us to a certain point, or at least me, I'll own this, pushing me to a certain point point of, of talking, you know, being vulnerable and transparent enough to talk about the uncomfortableness of um, the issue of around this racism thing, mm-hmm. you know, that yeah. you and I have experienced in different ways as people of color, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. So yeah. I, I know we have a few more minutes um, Mark is what if we were to do, unless you had some other thought there. I, well, let thought. me share. Yeah. Let me share Please, something no. I think that comes up with, with, with what you just said about our leaders and it's a really hard space to be in, to be maybe uneducated around some of this stuff. And you want to say something, but you're not quite sure. And there's a lot of resources out there. And I think, you know, one of the things that we're going to try and do next year is make sure that every pastor in our presbytery has access to a cultural intelligence uh, intake so that people can just understand. Because I think even for me, there are, when I took the cultural intelligence um, intake, it really revealed some, I'm going to say pride in me because as, the host of the kinship collective i was like you know what like i'm so hospitable i don't but what it revealed to me and what my wife reiterated and corroborated was that like sometimes for me i'm not flexible to someone else i because i think i'm so um hospitable that like i'm just going to be me and that's fine but interculturally it's not fine and it can be perceived a hundred million different ways through different eyes and so all that to say we want leaders to have access to that because what you said is if our leaders can't model vulnerability, right. then who's going to do it? And the reality is that people yeah. are, but the reality to me, the definition of leadership is the one who defines reality. Exactly. And so Jesus defined a world where there's no more male or female slave or free or Greek or Jew or uh, all these. There was all the barriers came down, right? Jesus defined that world. He gave us an image for that world. He lived into that picture. In our churches and in these different spaces, someone is defining what's possible. Now, everybody's looking to the pastor to be that person who's defining reality. In this space, we take love seriously. We take 
the gospel seriously. We take the life and death and resurrection and work of Christ seriously. We take our neighbor seriously. And there's so many things, right? But the the pastor, everyone's trusting the pastor to create that vision or live out that vision and to define what is real. Who matters in this community? And everyone's looking to the pastor or the yep. team, right? But sometimes there are others who rise up. And the reason I'm saying this is if a pastor is not willing to be vulnerable, you're forfeiting that role of leadership in that space. And somebody else will become that voice. I I hear that. Yeah. I hear that. That's in in the prophet that we that prophetic voice that all of us have been charged with to to be even when you were ordained recently as an elder, you know, to be someone who affirms upholding the peace and the unity and the purity of the church and mm-hmm. to be that voice in hard places. And mm-hmm. no, I I appreciate that because the um um and again I think I I think the you mentioned something earlier before I forget this. And this is totally okay. Um, Not only that cultural intelligence tool that we're going to make available to leaders in the Presbytery, but also that word liturgy. How do do we, we, when we think of the season of Lent and Easter, the season of Lent, Holy Week, Easter, Advent, Christmas, how do we integrate those themes, if you will, those hard conversations that need to happen, how do we make sure those are um, in a way that obviously that's going to push the pastor, preacher, prophetic voice person, if you will, to be thinking about that. But how do we integrate that into our liturgy in a way that um, people hear the tension, people Mm -hmm. hear that, you know, he he or she is speaking truth to the fact that, Jesus didn't come into the world. When Eugene Peterson translate uh, the message paraphrase translates this idea that in, in John chapter one, that Jesus moved into the neighborhood, you know, mm-hmm. that it, mm-hmm. it, it wasn't fluffy and perfect and quiet. I, my, all three of my sons, when they were born, beautiful, shiny, clean hospitals, <laughs> full on staff. My third son uh, it, it was, you know, through a C-section, you know, when the, nurse came out and put a hospital gown on me and said, come in Mr. Way. And to watch that Jesus didn't come into that perfect world. You know, mm-hmm. <laughs> that yeah. Christ came into uh, a world that was chaotic and mm-hmm. uh, dark and evil. And um, sometimes we have to say that out loud. And there even a half, again, because of my own naivete, there are things that I probably should be saying as one who proclaims the word on a Sunday or throughout the week that people do need to hear and that people in the pews that they want to hear where the, the pastor or prof, preacher, teacher, prophet, if you will, they want to hear someone at least hint to the fact that you get that there's tension in this text. Mm-hmm. That it's not all, it's not all perfect and pretty in regards to old little town of Bethlehem that mm-hmm. you, you are noticing there's something else. So anyways, we could talk forever <laughs> yeah. about, yeah. Yeah. I, I think for me, one of that, the, I think a clear, action item for a leader or a pastor or a pastor leader who is um, a stay-at-home mom right now or a stay-at-home dad or a gardener or a teacher or anything like that. And you don't have like that role of communicating the scripture or interpreting for the community and inviting the community into that conversation. I think one of those first steps is 
you know, my, my I have to tell the step before I tell a story about the steps. So the first <laughs> one of the first steps is to think about the voices like outside of just your normal voices, right? For me, I have different podcasts. I have a podcast I listen to every single day to understand what's happening around the world. If I want to think, hear a different perspective about what's happening around the world, I need to listen to a different voice and they will choose different stories. They're di different podcasts, emphasize different stories for different reasons. And all of that to say, if we want to integrate uh, a different perspective, let's say into our, oh, what, Casey, can I really go here? Um, <laughs> just, this is a public service the announcement. Wama let us know later. <laughs> I know, public service, see, oh, I gotta say it. Yep. Public service announcement, don't have service on Christmas day. Okay, sorry, all right. Um, <laughs> um, uh, we can edit that out later, perhaps, uh, perhaps not. Um, but I think if you want to have a, a sermon as it relates to, you know, your week before Christmas service on your, on the 18th or whatever that day is, you, you know, just incorporate different voices. I'm thinking about, um, oh, uh, Desmond Tutu, um, and some of just the beautiful liturgical resources that are out there that's just a different voice and a different perspective on Christ's birth, on the incarnation. My wife is reading, um, I'm trying to think, uh, I forget what the book is called, the um, 50, 52 weeks, it's around, what's a, a book called? It goes through the whole church calendar, oh, Sundays. The lection lectionary. Lectionary, yes. She yeah, just got a woman of color lectionary that her really? and some different ministry leaders from around the country who do really important work uh, in different urban settings uh, recommended. And I was like, yo, that thing is the most amazing thing ever. It should be around me somewhere, but of course, I'm not as in tune with it as she is. Oh, it might be right in front of me <laughs> because my computer's sitting on it. So there's that. But anyway, there's like just integrate a new voice. So how do I integrate a different voice around Christmas? Um, the Kinship Collective, I just interviewed a woman named Dr. Christy Bauman. She wrote a book called Theology from the Womb. And she mm. talks about the understanding of God from a woman's embodied experience. What does it mean to bleed monthly? What does it mean to carry life? What does it mean that God asked Mary for consent from the, the, the angel <coughs> Gabriel in Luke chapter one? So she has these beautiful perspectives about it. And we just don't know that we're not in tune with those different voices, but just right. see how integrating one different voice and one different perspective right. around the thing you're already going to talk about is is really helpful it's really powerful it can be just eye-opening and broadening it's not something to like, like it, it, you know constrict your imagination but it's just something that opens up the story that's mark again i think we this is a good project this is should be more than just a side project that you highlighted mm, there's so yeah. much that we could be doing and I, again i'm grateful that uh, we have a presbytery that has created spaces for us yep. to do this. Same. Um, yep. Again, under the leadership of um, Dr. Juan Sarmiento and others who've encouraged this. And um, I'm excited to see where this could go next year. And again, um, if you are watching this or if you watch this later on Facebook or YouTube, it is streaming live to our presbytery Facebook page. 
in our Presbytery YouTube page. We'll keep this up for a little while, but then we'll, um, if you don't get a chance to watch this and you've enjoyed listening to the podcast interviews with Mark and the variety of guests, uh, we will upload that. This interview, this talk, conversation for you to listen to. And then maybe, Mark, um, what's our hope for the next couple of podcast interviews that are coming up that we can yeah. let people know about? You know what, Casey? My mom always told me to under-promise and over-deliver. So I'm just going to say, <laughs> you know like what, that. folks? We have some conversations coming your way. You just listened to one of them. And we are excited about what's to come. And, and me, like you, mm-hmm. Casey, I'm, even this conversation gives me more imagination for how do we integrate this um, beautiful aspect, this beautiful invitation to unity and mutuality and experience beyond our own and a broadening of our perspectives and our stories and the ways we imagine scripture together when we gather to worship and the kinds of songs that we sing and the kinds of foods that we eat and the ways we think about our neighbors and the ways that the community looks around us in our churches. I think um, I'm really excited about the possibilities for next year and just like in general and just like everything, like nothing's overnight and it's not going to be like a you know, this isn't a, a Instapot. It's not an Instapot, nor is it a uh, air fryer. It's not none of that stuff. This stuff is going to take some time, but we're here to be do that work. And fat and and messy and mm, mm, everything. You're making me hungry, yeah. Casey. Can't and I'm, I haven't had lunch yet. <laughs> me neither. Good, hey. great. We've been here. You know what I mean? That's right. Um, if you again, if you watch this on um, either of our platforms later, Presbytery friends, the link for realizing revelation nine seven nine uh for the podcast pages uh if you go to that link and click on it it'll take you to the different platforms where you can listen on spotify and on itunes as well um thank you mark uh thank you for again being a servant leader in all of this and really walking with us in the presbytery around what it means to realize this uh, this idea of um the church um, triumphant one day of what it could look like and should look mm-hmm. like. Mm-hmm. So, Amen. Amen, brother. Right. I'm, I'm grateful. I'm learning along the way, too. I'm not perfect. I'm growing. I'm doing my own personal work, like Amen. I said. So we're all Preach in it together. It. Preach it. Thank you, friends, and be blessed. And um, Mark, stay on just for one second, and I'll end the stream. And <laughs> God bless you all. Yeah. I probably much love, have- y'all. Thank you Much for love. listening. Whenever you listen, thank you know. Right. Thanks for washing your dishes so well, driving to work so well, all the things you just <laughs> did so well. So, so much thank love you and respect, y'all. All right. God bless everybody.